help it. I want to see a kaiju banana with gas nipples. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> I think I killed Michael. Oh, go- oh God. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is the one, the only way I did that last week, Michael. Yeah, yeah, we've already we've already done those kind of introductions, Travis, but I do appreciate the sentiment because Mm -hmm. I do consider myself as the one and the only uh, for better or for worse. Hold on, let me Google how many Michael Hamiltons there are. Michael Hamilton. There's Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, there's probably a lot. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I had a good day today. Uh, or I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, that's not that's not out of the normal. I don't make it sound like oh, I'm having a good day today for the first time in forever. But no, uh, I'm actually, you know, had a, I went to church this morning, had a good lunch with a, I, I met with a friend of mine for lunch and we, uh, you know, talked about some life stuff over some tacos, came home, um, watched a little O-Ranger and then took a nap. Nice. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good myself. Uh, I know last week I was uh, feeling a little under the weather. Didn't even get a chance to put out an episode of the Henshin Man podcast, my spinoff podcast. Shame, shame upon you and your family, Travis. Shame. I was way too sick to deal with it. And so I just had to say I'm not going to be able to and just had to take a week off. Uh, but I am he feeling was, he was he was sick. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing I'm doing scare quotes right now. If you can't see me sick. <laughs> OK, I joking. I'm what, joking. I'm joking. What does that mean? What am I? What was I doing? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, what are you implying? <laughs> we, well, Travis, we need I, I don't want to bring this up on the air, but we might need to have an intervention, an intervention after the episode. <sighs> Is it about my napping it's about your it's about your yes it's about your nap <laughs> my napping my my i am constantly you can cut I, all this out if you want to <laughs> i take more naps than my cat does uh <laughs> i am a napping fiend i am a that is an understatement that is the understatement of the year <laughs> i i i am a young i am a young napper i am a kid wait no he's a young whippernapper uh anyway this is this is getting weird already (laughs) off the start uh so i guess we could need to go ahead and get into the episode uh (laughs) we 
don't have any news this week because it's been kind of a slow news week. Slow. Very but, slow. But when we don't have any news, that means we get to play a game. Oh, I thought that means we get to take the week off when we don't have any news. No, no, you're not getting off that easy. Uh, so. Hello, Michael. I want to play a game. So we are bringing back a fan favorite. Yeah. Probably yeah. A, a favorite yeah. of ours. Uh, game. I mean, it's a favorite. It's it's one we like. It's one we like to play with other people because we find we think it's funny. I think the last time we played this game, actually, the last time I played this game was I was the host of this game with our friends Matt and Gratton at the Giant Monster BS podcast. Um, and that was probably three months ago. So it's been a hot minute. So yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So we're bringing back Guess the Bad Review. Now question, am I in the hot seat or are you in the hot seat? Well, seeing as I'm the one that has a list of bad Uh, reviews. That makes sense. That makes sense. I kind of already know what the answers are. Oh, yeah, that's true. So okay. I guess I'm in the hot seat. I mean, I guess I'm seat. in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. So this time around, uh, I wanted to theme it around the episode and the movie that we're recovering, but I decided, yeah, I decided to make it all camera themed, which has nothing to do with the movie that we're covering this week. I am so I am so happy because every every answer I would have given you would have been enter the fist. <laughs> enter or the, the karate kid. Enter the fist sounds so bad. <laughs> I mean that's a real that's a real kung fu movie, right? I know like, it I, is, I'm not wrong I've, about that. I've never heard anybody else. You're making say me it second out guess loud. myself, Travis. No. You're making me second guess myself, Travis. No, hold on. I just that just had me. Would you rather me say "Enter the Dragon"? Yes, I mean because that's could that could just be that could be painful in in in, in and of itself, well, depending on true. depending on how cooperative the dragon is. Because <laughs> <laughs> "Enter the Dragon" is the <laughs> Bruce Lee movie. I'm trying to think of "Enter the Fist" is not a kung fu movie. <laughs> Is it not? It's that's the Kung Pao. That's the parody one. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> that's what I was. Oops. I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, that's not that's not an actual Kung Fu movie. That's that stupid comedy one where the cow does the Matrix thing. <laughs> oh, is that the that's the one where the it's the one where the where the with with the chick with three boobs. That's the one. No, yeah, she only yeah, has yeah, one yeah, boob. Yeah. She only has one boob. Yeah. And she and her name is. I thought whoa. it was three. And it is Whoa, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, see, you can tell that I don't watch very many kung fu movies. The very I, I I've watched a few, but every let I me mean, every answer would have probably been Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I thought about making them uh, making it kung fu theme, but I decided to go with uh, and 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 like I said, it, it it'll make Brandon, our friend Brandon, over at the why am I blanking on his podcast? Fake nerds, yeah, fake nerds <laughs> podcast. 
I'm gonna cut our that out. Friends, our gonna, friends at the fake our I'm, friends at the fake nerds podcast. I'm going to cut that out. I'm gonna cut that out. Uh, our, our friends uh, it'll make Brandon from over at the fake nerds podcast, our friend and uh guest on this podcast, uh who loves Gamera and has written an article in the magazine, uh Kaiju Ramen about Gamera. Uh he says we need to cover more Gamera stuff. So so I decided to make the game guess the bad review all about Gamera this time around. Okay. Well, I mean there are plenty of bad Gamera movies, so all right. Well, they don't have to be a bad every, every movie. Every answer every answer is gonna be Gamera Super Monster. They don't have to be a bad movie. Remember we're talking about the reviews that people give. People can give bad reviews to really great movies that's not true travis people people don't give bad reviews to good movies i'm gonna refer you back to our previous time that we did this where people gave some really awful oh yeah the really the really funny one that we have from godzilla 1984 that was like this big long story about how their day was ruined by this movie (laughs) oh yeah yeah that per that person is crazy (laughs) <laughs> all right so i've got four movies we're gonna i'm gonna read two reviews for each one so there's gonna be two reviews for one for each movie oh, four okay. different movies and they're all in the gamma franchise so that narrows it down some and okay. you right. have to guess what movie they are talking about so okay are you ready i'm ready all right i so, think the first review, and I am gonna I'm gonna censor uh, some the parts that would give away the movie completely. So like the name of a monster or something uh, like that. So uh, just 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 say banana. Just say banana. <laughs> All right, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do that. Just say just say banana. There we go. Okay. Uh, why does banana have gas nipples? Also, love that Gamera now has a theme song. Wonderful. And then the uh, next one for the same movie, the brilliant plan of the humans in this movie is to defeat banana by putting him on a giant plate and spinning him until he gets dizzy, which is pretty absurd, (laughs) even for what this movie is. Uh, Do you have a guess what banana is in in those? This This is all one movie. This is one movie. Yeah, both of those reviews oh. are for one movie. <laughs> well, um, why does banana man, have gas nipples? Okay, 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 okay. I think I know. I think I know. Um, is it Gamera the Invincible from 1965? No, it is not. What? Uh, do you remember which Gamera movie it was where they defeat the evil monster by putting him on a big spinning thing and making him dizzy? Uh, oh, it's Gamera versus Gauss. It's Gamera versus Gauss. Dag on it. That's <laughs> right, because Gauss has gas nipples. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if yep. you say so. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, ga- ga- uh, Gauss has gas nipples. It's in. It's a thing. Okay. All right. The next movie and the next two reviews. Uh, so here you go. 
it's like Godzilla versus Hedera for people who think it's too weird and just want a kaiju movie that's on autopilot. Also, someone died while making this movie. The next review. This movie is on drugs, but not any of the good ones. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who I'm trying to think because I'm trying to think of who died. Like if that was an actual if that was a real thing or if this person is just making that up. Uh, I think um, actually someone did die while, ma- while making this movie. It, was, it wasn't like someone on set. It was like a, a person who, higher up. Oh, oh, that just makes it better. OK. Um, hmm. They died from the stress. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. Gamera versus Viros or virus. Nope, not that one. Uh, think about which which of the Gamera movies is most like Godzilla versus Hedera. <laughs> Probably doesn't narrow it down. The No, it doesn't. OK, so the oh, Zigra. Yeah, your favorite and my favorite. Not really. Oh. Gamera really. versus Zigra. Yeah. Yay. I, I, like, I like versus Gauss more. I hate Zigra. Like, Zigra to me is the worst Gamera movie. I don't know. People say Super Monster is bad. Super Monster is at least funny. The, Zigra is just awful. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I had to dig kind of deep to find a review that didn't in, uh, include the words SeaWorld. <laughs> ha! Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 is that is a main that is a main thing that people that people mention in their reviews for that one. Okay, on to the next one. So you got one out of two. You're going on fifty yes. percent. All right. Actually, I didn't get either one of those because I'm going on zero I'm oh two. that's right yeah I, I gave you clues and that's how you got them so okay uh yeah. okay uh <laughs> this one you'll get right away but just just listen <laughs> some women who live in a van hang out with a young boy but when I do it it's suddenly a crime that's the first review <laughs> Se- <laughs> It's terrible. (laughs) Oh man! Second, second review. I take back every mean thing I've ever said about the previous film, and Yongeri, and Monsters vs. Aliens, and All Monsters Attack, and Rebirth of Mothra Two, and Son of Kong, and Mighty Kong, and Atlantic Rim. They have to be talking about Super Monster. Yes, they're talking about Super Monster. (laughs) (laughs) That first review got me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was too obvious. It was too obvious, but it was also too funny to pass up. Oh, that's hilarious. That is awful and hilarious at the same time. That is awful. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Final film. Final film. Final two reviews. Okay. Uh, This one. The story is whatever, and there's just as much bad CGI as there is good soupmation. My cat watched this one with me. She seemed irritated. (laughs) Okay. Is this your review? (laughs) Sounds like my review. Uh, (laughs) Not of this movie, though. Uh, And then the second review. Too horny. Do not watch. 
What? In all, in all caps. <laughs> so, so which camera movie is too horny <laughs> and would irritate a cat? <laughs> I'm trying to think of one that also has bad CGI. I mean, there's bad, there's bad green screen. If that's what they're talking about, I don't think that's what. But maybe they're getting maybe they're getting CGI confused confused with green screen. Um, I don't know. Actually, it's, no. It's actually, CGI no. No, no. Too horny. I, 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 it just dawned on me. It's it's got to be Gamera. Ver, it's got to be Gamera Three: Revenge of Iris. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's got to be because. Because I and this is going to sound terrible when they said it's too horny. I'm just picturing yep. that really inappropriate scene with baby Iris that I'm oh, not going to oh. go into details with. Oh, I was thinking yeah. of the the vor scene where uh, where the girl gets eaten. Oh well, there's that too. But I'm thinking of the inappropriate uh, yeah, uh, scene yeah. with yeah yeah. And uh, <laughs> I just I just love that my cat watched this with me. She was irritated. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I should have had I should have had the cat as the as the clue but my but when he said it was too horny I knew exactly which one it, and I knew exactly which one it was yeah yeah uh, uh listeners uh especially very young listeners because we know we have very young listeners do not google what vor is uh even though yeah, I mentioned Travis, it you're the <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the funniest moments from kaiju quarantine was when somebody oh. mentioned that and elijah had no idea what we were talking about and so he had to go and look it up well they obviously they obviously don't teach that in preschool um, no no they don't teach that in preschool <laughs> if you're a parent and you're listening to this podcast in the car with your children i am sorry and just if they ask you what those words mean, just say that they're the names of food. Uh, well, that was fun. And hopefully it filled out uh, some of the time that we would normally dedicate towards the news. Um, just really quickly, Travis, Nick Blackler, we know you're listening. I need fan art of a banana of a kaiju banana with gas nipples. Go for it. <laughs> You're the one that always yells at me for not letting, don't in, encourage the weird fan art. And now you're the one who's doing it. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I want to see a kaiju banana with gas nipples. <laughs> is, is that what the minions are talking about when they sing about bananas? Anyway. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> I think I killed Michael. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Oh sweet Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to continue. 
<laughs> and there's uh, your cold open. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think it's time to move on to the main topic for this week. Oh, all right. The man, cue the main topic music if you have any. We don't have any. It'll be ba 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 na na ba ba ba. Oh man, you ever see the movie uh, Surf Ninjas? Yes. And they had to sing the song uh, as a tribute to the Babaron. Uh, who was yes. the, who was coming, and so yes. they sang ba 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 baron ba ba ba. <laughs> oh man, I need to watch that movie. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I haven't seen that one, and I haven't watched Cool Runnings in a while. I always liked Cool Runnings. I watched Cool Runnings not too long ago. It actually it does hold up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. All right, uh, so we like to ask trivia questions to hint to what our topic is each week. And last week, we asked the trivia question, what movie has given Tony Leung his first English-speaking role? Okay, a peek behind the curtains, uh, listeners. Uh, I have the question written down on, on my show notes, and I'm usually reading it out on my show notes. Uh, I have written down... Uh, what movie has given him his first E flush speaking role? What? E flush. E it flush. Beats, it beats four of a kind each time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it just autocorrected English to E flush. I mean, were you dictating this during your parents' card game or something? I, no, I was typing it on on my on my phone, so I don't know how it, it autocorrected. Uh, okay. okay. Okay, so what movie has given Tony Leung his first E-flush speaking role? Uh, <laughs> and we got a few answers uh, this week. So we got from Chris Deggle, 2008's Red Cliff or The Big Dog. <laughs> Cliff Red. Cliff Red the big dog. <laughs> uh thank you, Chris. We're in a weird mood today. Thanks, Chris. We're always in a weird mood, but thank you, Chris. We appreciate that. Uh Monster Island Film Vault, our friend Nathan from the Monster Island Film Vault, uh sent in Once Upon a Time in Chinatown, which I thought was a real movie until I looked it up. It's Once Upon a Time in China which is stars Jet Li. And then there is an upcoming movie called Once Upon a Time in Hong Kong, which does have Tony Leung in it, but uh, no Once Upon a Time in Chinatown. Nope. You're, you're, you're totally wrong, Nathan. Totally wrong. Uh, and then we had Jimmy from NASA, who sent, NASA. who sent in Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Sorry, Jimmy, that was Donnie Yen, not Tony Leung, uh, Donnie Yen, hmm. who also played uh, Ip Man, and so did Tony Leung, and they were both in the movie Hero. Yeah. So, they oh, had... okay, yeah, yeah. So they okay. uh, they cross paths quite a bit, uh, Donnie Yen and, and Tony Leung, but yeah. Uh, then we had Crystal Lady Jessica, who said Dragon Ball Evolution. Again, wrong Hong Kong actor. That is Chow Yun-Fat. Chew what? Chu Yug what? You call me fat. Why'd you call me fat, Travis? 
Come on, Chow Yun-fat is a, is a well-established actor. He's been around for a long time. I know who Chow Young-fat is. I know who Chow Young-fat is. I know exactly who Chow Young-fat is. <laughs> All right. And then we got, uh, and he told me how to say uh, his name, uh, or, or just to call him Derek B., uh, because his Twitter name was hard for me to pronounce one time before. Uh, but Derek B. sent in Tony Leung in Hard Boiled for Life. But the answer is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Which I have to ask, why are we doing this movie again? Because it's not normal. It's not on the normal trajectory of the films we cover. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to put this out there right now. Okay. I was... I was visited by a great uh-huh. eternal being, the Lord uh-huh. of all kaiju films. Uh-huh. And, and he granted me. Does this the, Lord have the gatekeeper as his name, as his last name? <laughs> and he granted me the power to say yay or nay on what is and isn't a kaiju film. And I, by the power granted in me, declare that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is a kaiju film. Travis, I think we need to talk about your drinking. Uh, so so i do want to get into it some more but i think it's going to spoil the ending of the film if we talk too much about it at the beginning so i do want to clarify right now that uh part of the reason why we count this as a kaiju film comes from the third act of this movie and uh so we're going to get into that in our discussion so if you have not seen shang chi and you would like to see it without being spoiled, do not listen to this because we will end up spoiling it. Oh yeah. Cause the new, the movie, the movie is new enough to where people probably haven't, not everyone has seen it yet. Um, so yeah, if you have not watched this movie yet, skip it, come back to us next week or until after, or until you've watched the film. If you haven't watched the movie, skip it. No, no. If you basically, haven't watched the movie, skip basically the podcast and come back to the podcast. Don't skip no, the just movie. Skip the, no, just, just skip the movie. Just skip the movie. Listen to the podcast. You'll be fine. You would have skipped this can, movie if I didn't message you and tell you no, that we were going to cover this on no, the podcast. No, 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 no <laughs> sir. No, sir. I had already planned on watching this movie. I was not going to watch it like weekend of, but I was going to watch it at some point because I was actually going to go watch it with some friends of mine. But... Because you decided to cover this on the show, I had to go watch it by myself in a crowded, in a, well, not really crowded, but it was like middle, it's like half full theater uh, with no one to enjoy it with. Thank you, Travis, for ruining my experience. <laughs> you can't, well, never mind, never mind. Okay, okay. So our main- I'm joking. I'm joking. I had a good time. Our main topic this week, like we said, is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's from 2021, and it was directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, or Cretton, Cretton, I think it's Cretton. Uh, it stars... Cretton sounds better. It stars Simu Liu, Aquafina, 
Munger. Uh, white? No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Aquafina is a, is a water brand. Who who's the co who's the co-star? Who's the who's the who's the best friend uh to Shang-Chi? It's Aquafina. I don't I don't care what he's drinking, Travis, on <laughs> set. I want to know who is the girl in the movie that is his best friend, pseudo girlfriend. No, who is one of the other characters? <laughs> no, I'm not asking. No, I'm not asking you who the other characters are. I'm asking you who was the girl friend of this late of our lead actor. <sighs> also starring Mungar Zhang. I, I, I'm that I'm is a get very, my answer. Am I okay? That is a very hard name to pronounce. I'm very sorry if I mispronounced that one, but that one's very hard to pronounce for me. Uh, also stars Fala Chin, Florian Montano, or Montanu, Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh, Ben Kingsley, and Tony Leung. And okay. Michael, what is the plot breakdown? Super simple, super simple. Uh, a boy and his pseudo-girlfriend, well, they're not quite girlfriend and boyfriend yet, but they want to be because there's that sexual tension there. They go out for noodles, um, and then he gets a text from his long-lost sister, and then they have to go to China to find her and discovers that she's the head of an illegal fighting ring, and then they have to save the world from giant uh, squid bats until a magical dragon comes and rescues them. You, you didn't even mention their dad, who is like over a thousand years old with the power of the Ten Rings. That's that's that that's ageist, Travis. You can't you can't call someone a thousand years old when you don't know how old they actually are. Uh, referring back to us constantly saying that Elijah is in preschool. <laughs> but we know that Elijah is in preschool. That's the thing. <laughs> uh anyway (laughs) opening Uh, thoughts uh, on this movie what did what were your opening thoughts on this movie i liked it okay that's it i liked it thought it was fun i thought it was fun yeah i thought it was a lot of fun uh it's um it's a marvel movie um, but it's more, uh, it's, it's more substantive of than the last batch of Marvel movies that we've gotten. Um, I hot take, I prefer this over Captain Marvel, which I'm probably not alone in that, in that, uh, this, this movie is right up there with guardians of the galaxy. Cause I love the guardians of the galaxy. Uh, the, the pair of Guardi- guardians of the galaxy movies. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. I actually do prefer this movie over Captain Marvel too, and I liked Captain Marvel. I did not. I did not hate Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel was a decent film. Uh, I think uh, it had its shortcomings, but I, I do. I, I do think it's a decent film. Uh, but I still. I definitely prefer. But this do one. you like this movie more than Black Panther? Is the question. Now, yeah. Now that's a hard one because uh, Black Panther is. I think Black Panther is still my favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And this is very similar to Black Panther. And I was even going to, I even mentioned that in, uh, I have it written down in my uh, final thoughts, but I'll go ahead and share it now that, that uh, both Black Panther and Shang-Chi 
do a really great job of introducing a culture and an aesthetic that is different than what you might be used to, uh, you know, and coming from, mm. you know, again, just a couple of white guys here in America, we're not necessarily exposed to a lot of very uh, um, Afro-futuristic styles or, or even just the, a lot of the, the African style in general that you, that you see that, you know, really highlighted in Black Panther uh, in, in, uh, and the, the African aesthetic that it, that it brings in. And, and we're not necessarily exposed to a lot of the Southeast Asian kind of uh, Chinese yeah. uh, aesthetic that we get in this film. Um, a lot of the Chinese aesthetic that we get here in the States has been watered down to make it more uh, appealing to white people. But this is more true to... Oh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Chinatown, I've been to Chinatown and that's pretty, you know, uh, that's, Chinatown, that's, 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 that's no Chinatown. Uh, well, depending on what, what Chinatown you're talking about, are you talking about Chinatown in New York, New York city, New York? Okay. Cause Chinatown, York. yeah, yeah. Chinatown in New York, uh, Chinatown, especially in San Francisco, which is, was the first Chinatown that we had here in the States. Uh, so in the, back in the day, they really wanted to prevent a lot of uh, Chinese people from immigrating to the States. And they actually wanted to get rid of the ones that were here. This was in like the late 1800s. And the way that the Chinese immigrants kind of overcame this idea of them trying to force them out of the cities was to create basically a tourist attraction, which was Chinatown. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of the, a lot of the, things that are in Chinatown are meant to be touristy type stuff, like to make you make you think you're in China, but you're not actually in China. But so a lot of the design elements and a lot of things that you see in Chinatown is not actually stuff you would see in real world China uh, because it was meant to be almost like a Disney world style China to appeal to white. people. So is that across? So is that across all Chinatowns or just the, or it's pretty much across all, because I didn't know that. I didn't know that little bit of history about the, about Chinatowns. I know that that is that, well, when the, that is specifically to San Francisco. I don't know if they did that in other Chinatowns. Um, but I do know that the one in New York also has a lot of, uh, a lot of very touristy stuff uh, to it. And like, it's meant to, uh, a lot of it is meant to appeal to, like people, you know, who come in and, and are wanting to visit and get the, get the kind of quote unquote Chinese experience, but not be in China. Uh, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of places have like dragons uh, decorating their buildings and a lot of, uh, they sell a lot of dragon merch and stuff, but, but in China dragons, they don't put dragons on everything and, and on their buildings and they don't have statues of dragons everywhere. That's just not a thing in China because dragons were uh, that, that was a symbol of, of the emperor. So you didn't see that everywhere. It wasn't in, on mm. decorations and stuff like that. It wasn't, it wasn't commodity. It wasn't commoditized like it is here. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, it is, it is more like Chinatowns here in, a, in America, at least the big ones I think are more, they're meant to be more commercially like a, a commercial or commercialization of 
Chinese culture because they're trying to, they started as a way of, of saying, Hey, don't kick us out of this country. We have a right to be here. When in the 1800s, they were, you know, the people, the powers that be really were trying to eliminate all Chinese in, in the country. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't, I actually didn't know that. So I just assumed that I just assumed when you go to like a Chinatown, um, that it's sort of the, the remnants of, you know, back, back in back many, many years, many, many years ago when like a lot of Chinese immigrants came over to the, to the U S and just kind of congregated all together in their own little communities. And it just kind of happened. It just kind of happened naturally. So, okay. That's, a, that's yeah. an interesting little I piece mean, of the, uh, the community it's, it's itself. There. Yeah. The community itself was, was that, you know, it was, it was, you know, Chinese immigrants who gathered together because they all could speak to each other. They can understand each other. They could help each other and stuff, but they didn't, they, the buildings and stuff weren't decorated and they didn't have like Chinese writing all over the place. And they didn't have, True. you know, uh, the, the commoditized side of it is, is a mm. thing that they did to try to prevent themselves from being ex uh, from, from being kicked out of the, of this country. Uh, when, okay. when they, when they were very, very, People were very, very racist against Chinese uh, in the late 1800s. I mean, they were racist against a lot of people, but the Chinese were got a really raw deal uh, out west. Sure, sure, okay. and uh, and that's one of the reasons right. why Chinese people, Chinese immigrants, and Chinese Americans are are mostly associated with restaurants and uh, laundry mats because there was a time period where those were the only jobs that the governments would even allow a Chinese immigrant to have because they were not allowed to ha take jobs that white Americans had. Huh. And it's just become well, a part terrible. of the culture. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Not, yeah. uh, thanks. Thanks for the factoid. I'm sure a lot of our, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably didn't know that either. Uh, and, and I might be wrong and I might cut all of it out. I don't know. Um, I might be wrong. I, mean, you can I, I think you can leave, I think, I think you can leave some of it in if you just confirm, if you make, just confirm it. Uh, yeah. Just to make sure that you're being, just to make sure you're being uh, accurate. Yeah. I just, uh, um, cause again, I am just a white guy, so I'm speaking not from experience. I'm speaking more from what I've learned in my studies and stuff. So you know, it, I'm not speaking as, as an experienced person. Well, I mean, that's important too. you know, learning, learning to appreciate other cultures is, I think that's important. And I think that, uh, to bring it back to this, to bring it back to this discussion about the film. Um, I think that, um, I think a movie like Shang-Chi does get people interested in learning a little bit more about the culture because the the world that they're building in this movie especially sort of towards the latter half of the movie is really interesting it is it really is i i, I really like the aesthetic that they did i like all the choices they made with uh talo or is it talo or talau mm -hmm. uh the the village i think it's Ta I think it's Talau, but I ha I have to I I would have to make sure, but I think it's Talau. Um where uh where their mother was from? 
and yes. yeah, it's it's really great. I mean, just I'll get into it a little bit, and when we get into our deeper discussion, but all the little details. That's one of the things I love about. So uh, I'm going to go on a little sidetrack just because you you did mention Black Panther. One of the things I sure. love about the Black Panther movie is the small details that they paid attention to, mm-hmm. that they cared enough to pay attention to the little, little details, you know, all the, the little, the little design choices, the little, uh, aesthetic choices, the little, the musical cues, the, all this kind of stuff they paid attention to all the way down to, there's a point in the film that most people will miss where, uh, where the the leader of the gorilla tribe uh who's mm-hmm. named Mbaku he when he is mm-hmm. facing off against Black Panther on the uh on the waterfall mm-hmm. when when he actually says something uh before they start their fight and it was I, if i'm remembering right it was uh uh i'll i'm not even going to try to say it but but anyway it was what it was was in the comics the thing that separates the gorilla tribe from the the rest of Wakanda is the fact that the gorilla tribe does not worship the panther god. See, the rest of Wakanda worships a panther god. He worships, or, or well, M'Baku and his tribe worships the gorilla god. And he makes a mm-hmm. little comment in the in his fight that tells you that. But unless you know that or, or are paying attention or even, you know, uh, you know, like unless you're paying really close attention, you won't pick up on that. But then, but you do get it. You get like the little, the little digs that he said. You know, he didn't say glory to Bast, the the Panther God. He said glory to the the Gorilla God and stuff like that. So those little details are what's what I really appreciate about Black Panther. And moving into Shang Chi, Shang Chi had a lot of those same little details little things like like the fact that the 10 rings are are uh on his arms instead of like rings on a finger which in the comic books the mandarin has 10 rings on his fingers mm. but to mm. make them oh yeah 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 that's what that, yeah that's that's what that's what Nate I think that's what Nathan was telling me because he was t- he was trying to explain to me the differences between the comic books and the um and the movie so okay yeah I'm, I'm tracking with you yeah so in the comic books the Mandarin the bad guy uh, which he's not even called the Mandarin in this he's called Winwu um he has uh in the comic books he has just ten ring actual rings on his fingers and each one does something different um but in this they're they're on his arms now that actually ties into in chinese uh in kung fu especially southern style kung fu they will tend to wear these metal rings on their arms while they're training Mm -hmm. to help strengthen their arms so that when they block they can uh they it doesn't hurt the other they can actually um block without getting hurt uh and so that's that's a thing that's a thing that exists already and so that little detail that adds a little extra culture to this otherwise superhero story i like it i think it's cool yeah absolutely yeah i've been talking a lot so i'm gonna let you go oh no you're you're fine i'm just i'm i know you've done a lot i know you've done a ton of research on this movie so i was just kind of letting you go um I have not seen a Marvel. I have not went to the theater and watched a Marvel movie in 
Oh God. You know, this could it probably since I don't think I even I don't honestly I don't even think I watched Endgame in the theater. I waited till that came out on streaming because I just wasn't interested. Um but I'm glad I went to the I went I'm glad I actually did go experience this movie in the theater and what and I'm it's not on video on demand right now. It's not on streaming right now. Um it's only in theaters. That's the only way you can watch it. But I'm glad I did because it it just kind of you and I watch a lot of the same types of movies very, very often. So this was, this was actually kind of refreshing to sit down and actually get to watch this one. And actually to sit, to sit down and talk about it was a little bit refreshing as well, or get to talk about is, is, is refreshing. So, um, you want to just before, before I talk myself into circles and say a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense, do you want to get into our positivity sandwich? Yeah, let's get into it. So let's talk about our, our likes, uh, you know, and then we'll we'll cover a few dislikes, and then we'll end on some positive notes. So, what are some things that that specifically that you liked about this movie? Oh, the fight scenes! Fight scenes, hand down, hands down, the fight scenes. Um, everything was um, was everything was very well choreographed. In fact, uh, probably my favorite one was the one on the side of the skyscraper when they're fighting on the scaffolding. Mm-hmm. Because as someone who is terrified of heights, that one honestly made me a little sick uh, watching it because it was re- it was just really well done. And the way the camera kind of moved around the setting, it 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 made me feel uncomfortable because and I think that's what it was supposed to make you feel. But it made me definitely mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And having the neon lights of Hong Kong, I think that's where they were. They were in Hong Kong, right? Or were they in Shanghai? I think, uh, I think they were in Shanghai, but I'm not 100% okay, sure. maybe in Shanghai. Uh, the neon lights of the buildings and stuff all around them was really, really cool. Um, one thing that I... So so anybody who who's talked to me since this movie was announced knows that I have been really excited for this movie uh, for, for a while. Um, and it's not because I'm necessarily like a huge fan of Shang-Chi in the comic books. Like I, I like Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi in the comic books. Um, I've seen, I've read some comics where he interacts with Spider-Man and that's always kind of cool. You know, I, I, cause Spider-Man was my favorite superhero growing up. So, I, so anytime that he interacted with that, um, but just to get a Kung Fu movie that is also a superhero movie is what I was excited for. Um, because I do like Kung Fu movies. Uh, I'm not, you know, like an expert in Kung Fu movies, but I do like Kung Fu movies. Mm. And so, yeah, when we get to the fighting and the choreography, it's so good. A note on that, uh, the, the choreography, the fight choreography was done by two, uh, people who were veterans of Jackie Chan's stunt team. They, they had been a part of Jackie Chan's stunt mm-hmm. team for a long time. Uh, uh, Andy, I think it's Andy Ching is one. And then Brad Allen, who passed away, sadly, um, fairly recently. Uh, they were both part of Jackie Chan's stunt team. You can tell that they were inspired by Jackie Chan's fight uh, choreography in this movie because mm-hmm. that scene that you're talking about on the scaffolding is taken straight out of some Jackie Chan mm-hmm. movies. Like Jackie Chan has done a few movies where he has done uh, um, fighting on scaffolding. One I just recently watched 
uh, the other night was Rush Hour 2. He does that fight, same fight on scaffolding on the side of a building in Hong Kong. So it's like, it's, it's taken straight from Jackie Chan movies. And I love that. I love that, that you can actually look at this and tell what, what inspired the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. I think the hero's journey in this, in this movie was really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that, I think the journey that Sean, that Sean and that, that little, that funny little interaction between him and, uh, uh, his best friend in the movie. What is her name? What is her actual like character name? I'm blanking. Oh, uh, Katie, um, Katie, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Um, that little funny interaction between him and Katie on the plane. <clears throat> and she's like, so what is your real name? So, so your real name is Shong, but you changed it to Sean. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that was, that was really funny. <laughs> and, you know, I was, when, when the movie first started, when the movie first started, I, I really thought that she was going to be sort of the annoying best friend. Um, but I liked her character arc. I think I liked her character arc just a little bit, uh, just as much, if not a little bit more than, than Sean, than Sean's, um, I I think, I, I think so because it just felt like, cause you know, it just felt like I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to process my words here. Um, help me out. Uh, no, I, I, no, I totally get it. I, I totally get that because Marvel has a tendency to put in a lot of humor into their movies. Um, they tend to put in very jokey characters. Uh, and if the main character is not jokey, they'll put in a jokey side character. And I was very worried that Aquafina's character was going to be, <clears throat> the annoying like she was going to be funny to the, a point where it just got annoying um and it didn't it she didn't it, she it was going to be it was going to be forced it was going to be forced humor yeah no yeah if i thought it was going to i thought that that was the danger i was worried about that was what i was worried was going to happen was it was going to be forced it was going to be annoying and uh yeah she she is you know really funny she's the jokey one but at the same time, there's there she has her own hero's journey in this where she discovers her own purpose uh, in life. Mm-hmm. Not just it's not just uh, Sean's journey, and I think that's what made her uh, more interesting. That like so she, you know it's not just it's, she's not just there to be funny. She's also there to go on this journey too. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back a little bit about the fight choreography, uh, one thing, and I, and, and like watching this, I knew, you know, of course I knew going into it that this was, uh, two people who had worked with Jackie Chan on Jackie Chan stunt team who had, who was behind the choreography and stuff, but the bus fight scene, the bus fight scene. Oh yeah. I, I think that might be my favorite fight of the whole movie. I like close quarters. I like close quarter, close quarter, uh, fight scenes. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, I think that one was really well done. That one actually, that one kind of keep, that one takes you on a ride. No pun intended. Yeah. And, and one thing I, and I, I pointed this out to someone else when I was talking to them about this movie and, and for listeners who are not as familiar with Kung Fu movies or, or Kung Fu action movies, the way you can tell 
if it's inspired by or has taken cues from Jackie Chan and his stunt team is if the hero takes a hit during the fight. Because if you think about it, think, think mm-hmm. about most action movies. If the, if the hero gets punched or kicked, it's either a small inconvenience or a huge dramatic moment. And they only get hit mm-hmm. like very seldom. Do they actually get hit? Yeah. But then right. you watch Jackie Chan's fight scenes and Jackie Chan's getting punched and kicked left and right. Like he is always, he is always getting hit and kicked in, in the uh, movies that he's in. And it's part of his style of, of choreography and, and acting uh, is that mm-hmm. he, he wants you to feel like he is an everyman. He's kind of, he's not a super powered person. He is just an average guy. And in an average fight, the a real person would get hit a lot. And so he, you know, constantly gets punched and kicked and stuff in the middle of the fight. And it's just part of the part of the fight. It just keeps going. Uh, I saw that in the bus fight that, that uh, Sean actually got, punched and kicked a few times and you can tell like it it wasn't like this huge dramatic moment where oh it upped the scale of the fight no it was just like he's just a guy stuck in these in these close quarters like you said and he's going to get hit because that's just you're in a fight with multiple people you're going to get hit at least once (laughs) right yeah i mean that just adds to the it just adds to the realism in the moment Mm -hmm. i think because like, it, it, it does make sense that it, it it does make sense and it sounds really trivial, but it does make sense that you would get hit in a fight because you're in a fight and it's just, you know, that's just what happens. Yeah. But, I, I but don't know how best to explain that, but yeah, but in a lot of action movies, the hero won't get hit or if they do, it's, it is the defining moment of the fight. Whereas, you know, with Jackie Chan, it's not, you, you go back and watch some Jackie Chan movies and in the, in the process of the fight, he gets hit and kicked and stuff. And sometimes it actually uh, adds to his character. Cause like I was watching, I've been watching a lot of Jackie Chan this week. So <laughs> if you can't tell listeners, um, but I was watching a uh, rush hour, the first rush hour, and he like is willing to take a few punches and kicks to save like this, this really old vase that has like a lot of history and, and significance to, to Chinese history. And so it's like, you know, it adds to his character too, when he's willing to get punched and kicked in the process of the fight. Um, anyway. And so, so I, that's just, it, that just shows that I, a, it shows where the style that they, that they, uh, uh, the, the, what what influences they uh, took from for this movie for Shang-Chi and also again it adds to the character of Sean that he when he's you know starting out you can tell he hasn't fought anybody in a while because he's on the ropes and kind of like he's holding his own but he's still getting hit quite a bit in that bus fight yeah he is uh, I um, I was starting to wonder about him. I was starting to wonder about his character when, um, when, when that whole thing, when it would start to kick in for him, like, Oh, I possess these, I possess this, pa- I possess these powers. Uh, I possess this fighting ability. Now, now, when is he going now? When, now I have to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. what did you think of the villain of Wenwu or, you know, the Mandarin, he wasn't, he wasn't called the Mandarin in this, but if you want to call him the Mandarin, but yeah. 
<laughs> are we talking about the old? We talk about the old man, or are we talking about the guy that was the Mandarin in Iron Man Two? No, well, I mean, or Iron Man Three. Um, uh, Iron Man Three, yeah. No, I mean, he's not really the villain, but yeah, I guess he would be the Mandarin. No, uh, Tony Leung's character, the their father, Winwood. Oh, the father. The father. I, um, I really enjoyed his character. I really enjoyed his character. And it's, I, I don't know if I would even go as far to say he is the outright villain of the story because he's only doing what he's only doing what he feels is the right thing to do. He is so, he, he has so much regret from what happened to his wife that he will do absolutely anything in his power to bring her back. And I don't see anything. I don't see that as, I, I don't see that anything wrong with that. I feel like that is a pretty, that is a pretty noble concept. Uh, the way he, the way he went about it, it's later, you know, the way he went about it later on was, was sketchy, but overall I liked his character, but I don't know. I don't know if I would necessarily call him the villain. I mean, he's definitely the adversary, but I don't know if I would call him the villain. Well, okay. So he has, he is the head of a secret organization of assassins who uh, manipulate things in the world and assassinate people in the world to further his own ends. And he is hungry for more power. Like they established that early on that that is, that is him. So yes, he is a villain. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then they, but no, but then he finds love, but then he finds love. He meets, he meets his, he meets his wife. He, he, he walks away from that lifestyle. Um, and then he opens up a, uh, and what is it? He opens an Academy or the Academy was already opened. Um, I can't remember what, what happened, which happened first. Um, but yeah, I, uh, the, um, the Academy, uh, the, I think what you're thinking is the Academy is, is the training facility for his secret organization. He closed all of right. that down when he found, when he found love. And then when she was killed, he went back to that lifestyle. He went back. He is the head of the 10 rings organization. That is what he went back to. Right. So, so right to, right to, to, to avenge the death of his wife, which I think anyone would have done. Right. Okay. But he continued for the next 30 years, <laughs> nearly 30 years. Also training assassins and sending his own son out to murder people at 15 years old. He's not a good guy. Let's put it that way. He's not a good guy. Yeah, but it's not, but it's not completely black and white either. No, 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 no. And I, and I, and I don't, yeah, that's what I like about this character of Wenwu is that he's more complex. He's not, he's not just an, an evil right. guy for evil guy's sake. Um, and yeah, even he's not a evil guy, you know? Yeah. And his motivations are understandable. Like you understand where he's coming mm -hmm. from and why he's doing that. And it's just pure grief. It is just pure grief that is driving him to right. do the things that he does. Uh, but he's still the villain. Like he still is the villain of the story. He is the, the adversary, the, the antagonist, the one to overcome for most of the movie mm -hmm. until the very end, which we will get into real soon. Um, I really like his character. I really like the way he's portrayed. I one Tony Leung is a, an absolute 
stellar, stellar actor. Like just, I, I've watched some of his films. Uh, he's not, he's not a Kung Fu actor. He's done a few Kung Fu movies, but he's not a Kung Fu actor. He's, you know, uh, he, he's does more acting in just regular roles where he doesn't, is involving action and stuff in, right. In China or in Hong Kong. Anyway, his nickname is the man who can speak with his eyes. And you, okay. you can tell that if you watch his acting, he speaks a thousand words with just the look of his eyes. Like, mm-hmm. like he does, he can, he definitely speaks. He has speaking roles, but his acting is done through his eyes and he is just brilliant. And, uh, and you get that there's so much emotion in him in this movie you can see the sorrow the anger the everything just all behind those eyes he doesn't even have to say anything and just oh man right. he's just so good i can't i just i love him he's probably the best marvel villain we have gotten so far well he's the be- well he's one of the best marvel villains because he is there is some complexity to him yeah well which we've had some complex characters before you know the i you can you can say that that Killmonger in in uh, Black Panther had some complexity to him because you know he or he at least had a point like you kind of understand where he's coming from he's not doing right not doing good things and you want him to be stopped but you also understand where he's coming from uh, Loki right. you know has some complexity to him and and you know has some character growth to him but outside of those there's really not much else in complexity to a lot of these a lot of the marvel villains and and it's just so refreshing to see and i wonder how much of it was in the writing and how much of it was just tony leong uh doing his part i'm gonna assume i mean it's probably a little bit of both i would say i would say it's probably it was a lot of it was writing but a lot of it may have been the experience from tony it may have been just his experience as an actor and as as someone who's worked on these types of movies for his career that he just brought something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I definitely encourage anyone out there who has not watched any Tony Leung uh, uh, movies to go and find whatever movie of his, you know, the grand master I know is on, uh, is on Netflix. You can watch that one. Uh, Hero, I think is available on HBO max. You can go watch that one, but there's, there's other ones like some of his, his lesser known Hong Kong films, that just are he's so good he's such a good actor um speaking of good actors uh we also had michelle yo in this and uh if anybody is a fan of kung fu movies you would know michelle yo because she's been in so many <laughs> so many so many but especially um crouching tiger hidden dragon right yeah i remember her from i remember her from that movie yeah mm-hmm. was there anything in this movie you disliked why well yeah why did the why the plot i feel like the plot kind of flip-flops a lot in the movie if that makes sense does that make sense um yeah it just it like we spend uh, we spend the majority of this movie kind of and I'm 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 looking at your notes here and I, and I I tend to I I tend to agree with you um but the 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 third act it introduces an entirely brand new threat 
and it's not it's been kind of leading up towards that because we have the we have the voice that's coming we have we have the voices that are coming that are not actually his wife that uh that turns out to be a a, a demon basically trying to be trying to convince him to use the rings to uh, to uh unleash it upon the world uh but i feel like we're we've got we get to this point in the plot and then it shifts as soon as um as soon as Sean and Katie and his sister who the name of i blank on uh, finally me- yeah finally meets up with their father and it's kind of like oh i'm i'm glad you're home now son like will you please help me find your mother like it just takes a it, the, the whole movie just kind of takes a big 180 at that point i feel like but i yeah could be- no, I, I I felt the same way. I did uh, like, I I don't mind what we got. Like I, I think it I think it was it, what we got was good, but I think that the way that it was done could have been done better. It wasn't it wasn't as smooth of a transition from we've got to run away mm. from my father because my father's a dangerous man to oh now my father wants my help oh, now we're in another dimension and my mother might be alive. Oh, wait, no, it's this evil dragon thing. And it's just like there was not a, there was not a smooth enough transition from, from point A to point B to point F of this movie. Mm. And that's my biggest problem, I think, with this movie is that I wish it was a bit smoother. I wish, you know, like you could have, you could have established the idea of this evil dragon thing earlier on in the movie you could have established that and kind of built it up more instead of keeping it kind of secretive until the very end until the third act of the movie um i think yeah going into this weird dimension where now they're suddenly in mythological land china land um is really cool it's really cool and i really like it but at the same time, suddenly now you're having to do a whole bunch of exposition to explain all of this, which right. is like in the in the last 45 minutes of a movie, you don't expect to get an exposition dump uh, <laughs> so late in the game. But yeah, so it just, yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't a smooth lead from one point to the other. They just kind of, it kind of was sudden and unexpected turn towards the last third of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just, yeah, it, it, it kind of, it's kind of confusing. I was a little bit confused, uh, during that portion, but I mean, it, it all worked out. Uh, it all kind of, it, it led us to what we got in the third act, which I think that was the main point of the movie that you have this, demon calling them to the calling them and, and manipulating uh and manipulating the mandarin uh to manipulating him with the voice of his wife and playing upon his emotions so that uh they would use the rings to unleash him or to uh, uh to release him i should say um so yeah mm-hmm. it was it, 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 it there was a lot of twists and turns in the movie i thought yeah yeah, no, I like I said, I don't have any problem with what we got. I, it was just the transition from one point to the other. Like you go into this movie and you're watching the, you know, you're watching 
the fight in Shanghai or wherever it was, um, and you know, in his interactions with his sister Shaling, uh, mm. you, you're not expecting there to be a big bat squid dragon and uh you know in a weird china mythological china dimension uh and mm. all this kind of stuff you don't expect all that when you're in you know when you're watching the first part of this movie and i think that's that's what i don't like is that it's just like i you didn't build up to this enough it just was like suddenly here it is yeah um you want to talk you want to talk a little bit about the world building now in Talo? Yes. Um, so, um uh doing some research uh and I and I actually have done research on this before and I did a little bit more getting ready for this for this pot, uh, this episode. Um from what I can tell the first time that the word kaiju was written down uh was in mm-hmm. The Classic of Mountains and Seas, which is a Chinese classic text. It's a compilation of mythic geography uh, and has you know a kind of a bestiary in it too. Uh, this was basically it formed the basis of what a lot of Chinese mythology is uh, nowadays, uh, or you know what would come later. Uh, it actually dates back to as early as like the fourth century BC, which is like. Uh, let's see probably what 3000 years ago about 3000 years ago roughly roughly 3 to 4000 years ago yeah so so this this book has existed for a long time and uh from what i can tell it's where the word kaiju this at least where where it was first written down um knew that i kind of knew that going into it uh you know I knew that kaiju was actually a Chinese term that was used uh, in Chinese mythology and stuff before it was adapted, you know, or, or adopted or taken um, in in Japanese. That book, the classic of mountains and seas, is essentially where a lot of the inspiration for Talo comes from in this movie, and a lot of the creatures mm-hmm. and monsters that we see in Talo uh, come from that. And so, in is the, the is there a- is there a is there a translated copy somewhere that someone could get their hands on if they wanted to? Just out of curiosity. Uh, yes, I think there is. I think there's translated cop, uh, versions uh, of that um, story that have been done. They're more they're more based around the modern version of the story, but the uh, of the book. But the book itself has existed for a long time, but it has been added to and adapted and changed over time. Um, but yeah, so so this is why. I consider this a, 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 a kaiju film because in the purest form, in the purest way, it is a kaiju film. It mm-hmm. is, it takes its inspiration from the book that the word kaiju comes from. <laughs> like, I don't know how pure, how much, you know, more this could be a kaiju film. Uh, and so that's, I think that's very interesting. Some of the animals that we see here are taken directly from Chinese mythology and also from that book. Uh, you have the vermilion bird, which is a red bird that uh, is um, usually always on fire, like perpetually on fire. Yeah, we saw that. Yep, that was in there. 
Uh, you have the nine-tailed foxes. Those were in there. Which are not Pokemon. Just... Well, I mean, there is a there is a Pokemon called Ninetales, so... Uh, which is based on the nine-tailed okay. foxes. <laughs> uh, nine-tailed foxes are also in Japanese mythology, because a lot of that... A lot of mytho- mythology did uh, transfer over to Japanese. They adopted some things from Chinese mythology, so it kind of carried over. Um... They also have a unicorn-like creature with the body of a deer and the tail of an ox. Uh, that was also shown there. Uh, it's called a a, ki, a a kilin, I think, or something like that. I, I don't know how to pronounce the word, but uh, it's also they also have longmas, which is the big horse-like uh, dragon that they nearly run over or run into, and then they stop, and it just sits there and stares yeah, at the- them. Yeah, it's like the one that just it just snorts at him and moves on. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's called a longba. That's a horse-like dragon creature. Uh, yeah, so you have all these. You have the uh, Shiza, the Shiza lions there, uh, mm-hmm. which you know anybody who's a fan of kaiju movies or Godzilla movies knows King Caesar, King Shiza is based around the lion guards, the lion statues. Those come from Chinese mythology. And here's two of them. And there's two of them because in this movie, there's only two of them because in traditional uh, mythology and in, in the, the decorations that they would do for like temples and stuff, they would usually do two of them. One was always male and one was female as a, as to show like yin and yang, yin and yang. Uh, mm-hmm. balance yeah so, th- this one was i think one one was white and one was like a brownish red color yeah and they were right? really cool Am I right uh-huh yeah they were they were, they were really pretty yeah they were really cool and funny they had a few little funny moments because they're just big cats essentially <laughs> uh but the funniest and probably the most uh the one that people fell in love with the most uh animal is <laughs> morris <laughs> The little faceless teddy bear with wings. <laughs> the little, the little, the little, little fluff. What they call it? The little fluffy pig. pig yeah, with so, wings or something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Uh, he is actually from Chinese mythology again too. He is a hondon, uh, which they are usually described as taking the shape of a sack with six feet, four wings, and no face or eyes. And it says the creature, <laughs> the creature was said to enjoy song and dance, which makes sense why he is friends with uh, Trevor, the actor in this movie. <laughs> I as soon as that little creature popped up, I said, OK, people are going to fall that this is the baby group moment there. The people are going to fall in love with that little guy. Morris is the best. I love Morris so much in this movie. And, and Morris, like, Morris is Morris is a good boy. I agree. And at the end, towards the end, when Trevor is playing dead on the battlefield, and then and then he says he's like he's like I'm okay. I'm just I'm just acting. Now get down here with me. And then Morris walks over and rolls over and plays dead too. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> You know, I don't think like there wasn't a whole lot of jokey moments in this movie because I know Marvel has kind of notorious now for um, injecting a lot of humor, uh, some 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 uncomfortably bad humor 
in in their movies to kind of lighten them up a little bit. Uh, but there wasn't a ton of humor and the humor that was here um, was, I thought was well done. It was appropriate. It was well-timed humor. Uh, yeah. And most of the humor took place outside of Talo. Once they got to Talo, there wasn't as much humor uh, as, uh-huh. as there was when, you know, earlier on in the movie. Um, now we have to talk about the actual sequences, uh, sequences and scenes that make this a kaiju movie by modern standpoint namely namely the the giant dragon and the thing that they ripped out of pacific rim yes yeah the the big squid pacific rim monster versus the the big dragon what did you think of that whole sequence i thought it was i thought it was well done i thought the cgi was 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 beautiful um it was a good it was a good action scene i thought that it was i thought it was um Probably, probably the best looking scene aesthetically. The best looking aesthetically um, scene in that that whole sequence was when uh, the Great Guardian was whipping up the water to try and trap the what was it called in this movie again, uh, Travis? It, it was the, called the the Soul Eater or the one who lives the, in darkness. The one, the the dark one, is that yeah, no, something like that? Soul, okay, whatever. It's 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 the, the one soul, the one who lives in darkness is what he's called in the comic books, I think. The big one, we'll just call him the big one. The big bat. Creature. Um. So the big the big yeah the big bat creature. Um. So that I thought that whole sequence was was beautifully done. The CGI looked great. Um. It didn't look unnatural. I, but I thought that the dragon, I thought the dragon itself, the great guardian had a lot of personality. It actually kind of reminded me of, um, uh, 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 never ending story. Um, uh, yeah. Falcor. Uh, Falcor. You okay? <laughs> I was good. I, I knocked over my, the bottle of water and then knocked that knocked over my phone, which then knocked over something else. So it's just like, I'm just having a root root goldberg machine go off here on my desk <laughs> okay um go ahead sorry <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah it just, it, it kind of gave me some falcor vibes i know like as a 90s kid if, if you're a 90s kid out there you'll know what i'm talking about um but i just i just really liked it i don't know how else to explain it except i just thought i, I thought it was really beautifully done and i thought that it was that yeah that that that, that cheer that that moment of tent that kind of that moment of tension, excuse me, uh, that, that tense moment where the soul eater was trying to suck the soul out of the dragon there. Like that was a, that was a tense moment. I thought that was, I thought the dragon was going to die there. My heart was going to break. So, um, outside of that, I thought the, 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 the monster fight choreography was, was well done. I, I liked, I liked that, um, the the small soul eaters could not be killed with conventional weapons. They had to be killed with very specific weapons uh, made from dragon scales, or else your blades and your weapons would just go right through it. I thought I thought that was a neat uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I so I don't really care so much for the big bat creature design. I think, like you said, it is ripped straight out of like pacific rim it was to me it felt a little too generic of a monster and which is kind of weird when you're talking about a weird squid dragon bat creature but it just like i've seen that design done 
or, or a similar design done. It didn't look very unique. It didn't look very uh, interesting to yeah, me we, at all. We saw it in Pacific Rim and it was done better in Pacific Rim. Yeah. But the the great one, the dragon, I did really like the Guardian Dragon. Uh the the color scheme on it being white and red with like a little bit of uh green kind of mixed in there was really cool. It kind of reminded you kind of reminds you of a koi fish. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does kind of have like a koi the, I was just to say the coloring on it, the white and gold, the white, gold, orange, and red color scheme on it kind of reminded you a little bit of a koi of a koi fish. And I, and I, and so I've always wanted, I've actually always wanted a pond full of koi fish. Cause I just think they're really pretty. Um, so that just, it just stood out to me. Yeah. And I like that it's, con- it had its connection with water. Like it, like it, it could control the water. It lived in the water. It was like, you know, it had a, a very, uh, strong connection to water, the water element and stuff. And so that was kind of cool. So yeah, I really like that dragon. The, the evil one, it was not very cool. Uh, as far as the design now the idea behind it i didn't i didn't mind but the just the design was too generic to me and 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 it really has and i think the reason why it felt generic was because it's the only thing of all everything in that world that was not based around some kind of actual thing like you know there was no like because dragons we have you know it, it was based around chinese dragons and and like we talked about all the other animals even morris are based around things from mythology and then here's these bat weird squid creatures that have no connection to anything they're not you know and, and, and which i guess in a way that is the point because they're supposed to be from another dimension but they're just yeah they're just they just turned out to be very generic to me um so i didn't really care for them but the fights the fight i did like yeah so what do you think what did you think about the climax of the movie like the the whole thing the plot point that the whole thing surrounds the surrounds itself around that we knew was coming from the beginning where uh shong chi um or shong shong chi shong whatever um takes the rings from his father or his father gives him the, or no, he takes the rings from his father. During he the earns fight. the rings. So there it's a split. They, he earns the rings during the fight. His father takes them back. And then his father hands them off to him before he, his soul is ripped out of him by the soul eater. Yeah. The, uh, again, Tony Leung, such a good actor. And he really sells that moment of, of tragic acceptance you know, accepting that he is going to die and he's not going to see his son and that he, you know, and, and like, there's just, there's so much dialogue that's being told just from his eyes and his facial expressions in that moment. And yeah, when, when Shang-Chi gets the rings and he, you know, is finally able to use the rings, it's, uh, oh man, it's such a powerful emotional moment. I thought it was, I thought it was really Well, the whole, th- the that whole fight sequence between him and his father was a powerful emotional thing. Oh yeah. Because, because the night before Sean had already committed him, committed in his mind that he was going to have to kill his father Mm -hmm. and then decides not to at the last minute. Mm -hmm. After he realized, after he realizes that it's not worth it and that his father, that it's just, it's just not worth it. And he, and he took, and he took the rings, the the thing that made his father so powerful, he took them from him. So what's the point of killing his father now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, it was really great. And I like that uh, Sean uh, had had learned kind of like some new uh, techniques and fighting, but, you know, like redirecting, uh, you know, his father's attacks and stuff instead of hitting him head on, you know, stuff that he had learned from uh, his aunt played by Michelle, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, so that was really cool. And, and we didn't even talk about it because it, it echoed uh, the fight that Wenwu had with their mother early on in the movie when he first meets their mother. And oh, which was so, which was so beautiful because it was like a dance. It really was. It, it was, it was, the, it was this intimate dance between them and it was just so beautiful. Uh, and I'm so, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I am just so thrilled with how, with how that fight sequence turned out, not just between, um, the father and the mother, but the recreation of that fight between the aunt and the son or the aunt and the nephew, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just think, I think it was beautiful. I think it was, I thought it was just all very beautiful. I thought it was just, it was so, so, so well choreographed and yeah, I was just extremely happy with it. Yeah. It's really good. That was probably my second, fa- that was probably my second favorite fight out of the, um, out of the mood, like if, probably the, the one on the scaffolding mainly because it just made me feel so uncomfortable. Um, but also that initial fight between the husband and wife or the father and the son, because, um, or that's not the father and the son, but the, uh, the father and the mother, um, that it just, it was just so beautiful and well choreographed. Yeah, really was. And plus, you know, great lighting, great settings, like just beautiful. The, the people behind the camera knew how to film fights because they actually did a really yes. good job of, of, because I, I kept waiting for like your typical uh, the way that American action movies tend to cut away uh, and cut in between punches and stuff. Uh, they don't do that in Hong Kong uh, Kung Fu movies. Uh, they, they linger on the, on the, the punches and the kicks and stuff a lot more. And, and they did that in this movie, whereas they typically in a, in a uh, Marvel movie, you might have some, you know, cuts and edits and stuff piece together fight scenes whereas this he didn't have that he had longer shots and i thought that was really good so the people behind the camera did a really good job just just all around this movie has so many good things going for it i mean it, yeah it's it's a beautiful film it's unlike any marvel i think probably the i'm, I'm getting into my final thoughts here uh, if we can, if we want to head into those, so yeah, we're not yeah, kind of talking in circles, but yeah, well, let, let me um, let me introduce our final thoughts here and in, in, in our uh, Godzuki sure. score. So typically, we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies, which Shang Chi is one. I have declared it. It is so, uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll, so, I'll yeah. let you have I'll let you have this one, Travis. So uh, and so yeah, so we use the great Godzuki as our as our yardstick in rating these movies. So Michael, out of five Godzukis, what would you give Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? And what are your final thoughts? While Daisy sits here and bumps my microphone. <laughs> I don't, for some reason, I'm like, I'm just like, I don't feel right giving this movie a Godzuki score. Not because it, not because it's just like, it's this so, it's this reverent movie and Godzuki is a silly thing, but, um, because I, I don't think this is technically a kaiju movie. Okay. Okay. But I had, how how many rings out of 10 rings would you give Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings? 
<laughs> no, I'm going to stick with the grading. I'm going to stick with our, with our established grading system, Travis. Don't worry. Um, but I think that I, I, this movie is good. This movie is, this movie is good. In fact, this movie outshines a lot of past Marvel movies in its storytelling, its world building, and just its characters. Um, I think that this movie is heads and shoulders above a lot of other, uh, tentpole Marvel films. I think this movie is better than Iron Man. I think this, well, I think this movie is better than Iron Man too. Um, I think this movie is better than the original, uh, Avengers movie. Please don't hurt me, people of the internet. Um, I think this movie is definitely better than Captain Marvel, just because I like the I like the story, I like the characters, and I like the world building in it. And I think that if you're interested in kung fu movies, if you're already a, if you're already interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're going to like this movie anyway. It's going to be a breath of fresh air for you, um, uh, among some hits and misses of the Marvel franchise. Um, and I think that anyone out there that just wants a good time watching this film. Um, I think you should go watch it in fact. And, and because of that, I'm going to go ahead and give this thing four and a half out of five Godzookies or eight out of five rings eight or up. eight out of 10 rings. There we, I know it's, <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a long day. Eight out of ten rings. If we're going to, if we're adding that grading system to it as well, uh, yeah, uh, I I agree with you on on a lot of what you said. That this is one of this is top tier Marvel for me. Like this is definitely one of the best Marvel movies we've gotten. Um, I I I've been comparing it. I compared it a lot at the beginning to Black Panther because of the way that it uh introduces you as an audience member to an aesthetic and to a people and to a culture that you might not be familiar with and i i really like that i like when a movie does that um i think this is a good marvel movie i think it's a good superhero movie in general i think it's a good origin movie it's a good kung fu movie it's a decent giant monster movie and it's just an all-around fun movie in general. So I think if you're a fan of any type of movie, you might enjoy this. You know, go check it out. If because, you're a fan of movies, yeah. If you're a fan of movies, if you're a fan of just movies, go watch this. Go watch Shang Chi. You'll you'll have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. It it is. It just is good all around. Uh, like you said, the the story is good. The uh, I, I had my issues. My my main issues I had with it were in the final act of the of the movie, and I think it's just like we said, and we've said a, a bunch, is that it wasn't that it was bad in itself. It's more of that it felt so disconnected from the rest of the movie that they had already built, and so that's what I had the problem with the most. But otherwise, everything else is good yeah. in it, and the characters are fantastic. Like I cared about every single character in this movie. There was not a single character in this movie yeah. that I was just not interested in. All of them, all of them, even Razor Fist. I was, I, I like, I came <laughs> around to liking Razor Fist because he, <laughs> he turned out to be a fun character. Like they, they stole his car and his car has his name painted on it and everything. It's just like, this guy has a personality and he's not just a goon. I like it. <laughs> 
Like uh, he goes, he goes from we won't listen, we won't listen to you to, oh well, maybe we should listen to you because yeah. what we're doing is not working. Okay, yeah, yeah. maybe we should. Uh, so I'm going to give it four out of five Hotel Californias. Living up at the Hotel California. It's a lovely place. Such a lovely oh, place. Oh man, that's. That is that is hilarious. That is that is that is so good. Oh, um, I love I I love the Eagles. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna do it for our discussion of Shang Chi, which is officially, I declare, a kaiju film. Uh, and we are going to move on to our next segment. And do you know what that segment is, Michael? Well, Travis, is it the mailbag? It is the mailbag. <laughs> What's in the mail today? <laughs> and if you would like to have your comment or your question read out on the podcast, uh, then you can send us your feedback uh kaiju weekly at gmail.com or at kaiju weekly on twitter which is where we get this one from is from on twitter and this was just a really nice message that i wanted to read out because it was really nice uh it's from our friend nick blackler and he says i was a bit late getting to last week's episode now this is a couple of weeks ago now um but it was just the pick me up i needed it is always a good time when travis comes back because this was when i first came back from you know taking a little break for a little bit uh he says i know you guys sometimes apologize for being silly or going off the rails but don't ever change thank you nick for that really kind message we really appreciate it thank you nick uh that seems to be a common uh that seems to be a common common comment that we've gotten the last couple of days because we have actually asked people uh, what we could do better for the podcast. And if you, the dear Kaiju Weekly listener, have some suggestion for have some suggestions on what we could do better for the show, please let us know. Email us uh, at kaijuweekly at gmail.com and tell us what we can do better. Or if you just like the show as is, let us know that too. We'd really love to hear from you. And we'll read that in the next uh, next mailbag segment. So yeah. also, uh, Nick, get on get on that uh, gas nipple banana for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So so that, we've, like so, listening listening to what I just said, like playing it back in my mind. That sounds awful. Yep. Nick, uh, get on that get on that gas nipple banana. <laughs> okay. That's a, okay. Nick, you do not have We're to here. get on anything if you don't want to. <laughs> uh so yeah we've we've already established what kind of stuff we we uh will take and read out on the mailbag so if we if you want we said last week that if you want us to say something mean to somebody uh or to you uh you can email us if you want to say something nice about us you can email us if you just want to say anything to us please email us. We are always looking for, uh, for interactions and we like to read out uh, stuff from our mailbag. And our mailbag is the one thing on this podcast that always seems to be a struggle to, to get because people don't uh, message us enough with stuff. So I, I would really like to see that improve. So if you are a listener to this podcast, please, please help improve the quality of the mailbag segment by joining in and emailing us. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
And so the only other thing to do uh, before we close out is to ask the trivia question for next week's movie. We are continuing our American Monster Month. We didn't really break from it because, I mean, Shang-Chi is an American film. So even though they do speak a lot of Chinese in this movie. Uh, But yeah, we're continuing American Monster Month uh, next week with this movie. And the trivia question is, which monster film only contains about 25 lines of verbal dialogue? Hmm. Hmm. Very, very unique question. It is a very, very unique question, which I am looking forward to covering next week. Yeah. On the podcast. Yeah. We're covering two movies next week as a little hint to mm-hmm. to our listeners who are wanting to answer. We're actually covering two movies next week. Uh, yeah. So that's going to do it. So we're just going to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly. All the links to our social media as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group and... The Henshin Men podcast, my spinoff podcast that is way less successful than this one, um, is listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen so far. Kaiju Ramen Magazine issue number three is available in printed form for a limited time for a limited number of people. So make sure you are one of those limited people who can get your own printed copy of Kaiju Ramen issue number three by going to kaijuramenmagazine.com. And if you want to help support this podcast and get some nice bonus content, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod. We also want to say a big thank you to Taylor Ward, Damon Noyes, Nathan Marchan, Alex Cornett, and Shijir, who are our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for giving us your support. We're going to start shouting you guys out each week so that we can make sure to give you the thanks that you deserve. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, if you, dear Kaiju Weekly listener, want to do something else to help this podcast, you can do what you can do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. And just like the mailbag, if you do that, we will read that feedback out on a future episode of the podcast. And what that's going to do is that's going to help put this show in front of other Kaiju and Tokusatsu and uh, Kung Fu movie fans just like you. It's going to help us grow. It's going to help us pursue other uh, projects like spinoff podcasts and Patreon and Patreon extras and goodies and also uh, help us grow our voice so that Kaiju Ramen, our our baby, our baby pet project magazine um, can grow as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the Morris population. Have your banana oh no 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 we're not doing that to that good boy no 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 no. i was gonna gonna say i was gonna say have your banana nipples spayed or neutered (sighs) bye guys